0: Well, today, I wanted to speak to you a little bit about supernatural abilities. I don't know if you've noticed this, but the world seems to be quite obsessed at the moment with special supernatural abilities. I mean, it's all of a pop culture, right? Like every new movie, every new TV show. What's it about? It's about people with supernatural giftings and abilities, right? People who, who are born with the ability to read minds or to fly or shoot lasers out their eyes. People who get kind of caught up in in gamma rays and turn green when they get angry. Like people who get bitten by spiders, right? And suddenly have spider senses or special powers. People who have what they call the power of the gods. It just seems to be in our pop culture, this obsession with special supernatural abilities. And if you had to look for those shows or TV shows, you would find them under certain headings, right? You'd say people class this as science fiction or as fantasy, or as fairy tales. And so I think it's really good as I start this morning for me to remind you that not every single person that's had a special ability is found under science fiction. In fact, we find in this historical book called the Bible that there have been men and women who have been infused and given special supernatural abilities and we see their lives marked with supernatural things. You, you look at this book and suddenly you see real people who rarely existed. And you see them, their lives are filled with a supernatural activity. People who could walk on water and command the weather and ascend into the sky. People with supernatural strength. People that could take a little bit of food and feed many with it. People who had supernatural wisdom and spoke into people's lives that they had never met, yet they knew things about them. People that could say things about the future that would come to pass. We see people who could lay hands on the sick and they were made well, or who, who opened the eyes of the blind, or who raised the dead. In this historical book, we see many people filled with the power of God to do Supernatural things and church, this is not science fiction, this is biblical fact. In fact, in my life, I've had the privilege of seeing so many supernatural things of God. I've lost count of the amount of prayers that we have seen come to pass, Uh, prayers for healing, things as small as people being prayed for their headache to be gone, to people being prayed for their cancer to be gone. I have stood with people in this church and prayed for them, for a loved one, that they would have an encounter with God. And, and that person would go home and find their loved one having an encounter with God, tears streaming down their face, saying, hey, I believe in Jesus. We've seen people who were unemployed for months, who, who came and said, I really need God to do something. And the very next day, they got a phone call and they got jobs they didn't even apply for. I, I have seen in my life so many miracles of Even some, as a kid, I'll tell you, they're a little bit strange. Uh, As a a kid, I remember praying for pocket money and literally seeing money appear. I'd write letters to God and they'd be gone the next day. Uh, I would, uh, when I was prayed for to be baptized in the Holy Spirit as a young boy, I remember hearing the audible voice of God. I have seen... God just do the crazy, provide in incredible ways. When there was nothing, then He would do something, then there would be incredible provision. I've seen people instantly set free from addictions, instantly set free from depression, marriages being supernaturally restored. I've seen the activity of God. And you might be wondering, how does that happen? Where does all of this come from? Where does the supernatural stuff fit into my faith? Well, I want to tell you, the giver of supernatural power in our lives is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. You and I know we've been doing this series called Engulfed. Where we've been looking at this person of the Holy Spirit. And we've seen he's a very real divine person. And he's active in our lives. One of the ways he wants to be in our lives is in the form of a helper to help us in our faith. We saw last week, that He wants to lead us towards righteousness and lead us away from our sins. But not only does the Holy Spirit want to change your character, He wants to fill you with power. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you. He wants to empower you with supernatural abilities and giftings. In fact, church, we even see this happening to Jesus. Everything that Jesus did, was through the ability of the Holy Spirit's power. And I know you might be listening and thinking, no, wait a minute, Jesus is part of the Trinity. Jesus is God. Like he didn't need the Holy Spirit's help to do supernatural things. But I want to remind you of what we learned about Jesus in the book of Philippians. And let's read this together. It tells us in Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse six and seven, talking about Jesus, it says, though he was God, He didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Look at someone and say, he gave it up. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. In the original Greek, that word gave it up, it talks about an emptying of himself. The illustration is of a bucket of water that's turned upside down and every last drop is shaken. Jesus gave up his divine privileges. We've already seen in the series, divine means godly. In other words, he gave up his godly privileges. And so when he was implanted into the womb of Mary, he didn't have his divine privileges. When he was born in that stable cave in Bethlehem, he didn't have the divine privileges. When he was walking in the temple as a boy at 12 years old, he didn't have the divine privileges of God. In fact, We don't see Jesus doing any miracles until when? Well, until this incident happens where he is baptized and something happens at his baptism. We read about this in the book of Matthew chapter 3 from verse 16. It says, after his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. The Spirit of God comes upon Jesus. For the first 29 years of his life, no supernatural activity is seen. And then at his baptism, the Spirit of God comes on him and it says it settles on him. It doesn't leave. It comes on him and it stays. It settles on him. And from this moment, church, Jesus' entire life and ministry is marked by power. From this moment, we see him performing many miracles. His reputation became that of someone who was able to do supernatural things. Everything changed when the Spirit of God came on Jesus. In fact, now Jesus starts to talk about this word power. Everyone say power. He says, it tells us in Luke six nineteen that everyone tried to touch him because healing power. This power went out from him and he healed everyone. In Luke 4, 14, it says, Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with what church? The Holy Spirit's power. Jesus was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He had the Holy Spirit's power working in and through Him. When they ask Him where He gets His power from, where does He get the authority to do all these things? Jesus says, it's a Spirit that is upon me. The Spirit is upon me. Jesus operated in the Holy Spirit's power. That's how he was able to do supernatural things. And this is great news for us. Because the same experience, listen, the same experience Jesus had with the Spirit is the experience you and I are invited to have with the Spirit. Turns out that when the Spirit of God wants to change us to be more like Jesus, it's not just talking about our character, it's not just talking about righteous living, it's talking also about supernatural, powerful, Living. The Holy Spirit literally wants to make you like Jesus. Even in his ministry, even in his ability to do supernatural things, you have been invited to become like Jesus Christ. He wants to empower you to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, those of you who are Christians, if you become saved, the reality is you already have the Holy Spirit with you, He's already dwelling inside of you you already have the presence of the Holy Spirit with you. We actually see this happening to the disciples. I want you to think about this for a moment. Scripture tells us that in order to be saved, in order to become a Christian, we need to be able to confess that Jesus is Lord and that we believe that He lived and died and rose again, which means the disciples of Jesus. You know the disciples? When could they actually become Christians? Well, their first opportunity to become a Christian would have to be on Easter Sunday when Jesus rose from the grave. They couldn't believe in the resurrection until they had seen the resurrection. And so Jesus appears to them, all of them. We see this in John 20. And when Jesus appears to them, this is the first time that they can now believe in the resurrection and become Christians. And at their salvation on Easter Sunday, they actually already received the Holy Spirit. It tells us in John 20, verse 22, that Jesus, He goes around the room. He's showing that He is the resurrected Messiah. And He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Whew. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. On Easter Sunday, the disciples received the presence of the Holy Spirit. And this happens, by the way, at your salvation and in mine. All of us receive the presence of the Holy Spirit. But even though the disciples had the presence of the Spirit, Jesus told them to wait for something else. He told them something additional was coming. He said in Acts 1, verse 45, it says, Once when he was eating with them, Jesus commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute, didn't they already receive? The Holy Spirit, what does baptism think? You see, church, there's a difference between the indwelling of the Spirit and the baptism of the Spirit. Acts will go on to explain what happens at this baptism. In Acts 1 verse 8 it says, But you will receive power, everyone say power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, through Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You see, you receive the presence, the indwelling of the Spirit at salvation but there's something more in store for you. You can also ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit's power. You and I can receive the power of the Spirit in our own lives. That's something we call the baptism of the Spirit. This is what happens, by the way, to the disciples. They obey Jesus' command. They wait in Jerusalem. They're praying together. This is 50 days after the resurrection, 10 days after the ascension. There's 120 disciples in the upper room praying. And then this happens in Acts chapter two. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. And what did it do? It filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Hmm. This is such an important moment in Scripture because we see here again, there is a change in the church from this moment on. From this moment on, not only do they have the presence of God with them, but now the church becomes an empowered church. Just like in the ministry of Jesus, at the presence of receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus' ministry changed. Here on the day of Pentecost, the disciples' ministry changed. Suddenly now their ministry is marked by power and supernatural gifting, supernatural abilities. Suddenly now this church becomes a powerful church. And we see them doing crazy things in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Their shadows would now heal people. <laughs> they're, they're, They would pray for hankies and then take those hankies to people who were sick or demon-possessed. I mean, that's like an exorcism, right? With a hanky. Crazy stuff. Shows you the power of the Holy Spirit. We, We see them being able to prophesy and speak into people's lives and have supernatural wisdom. Suddenly, because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, their lives are marked with power. It turns out, church, that The Holy Spirit doesn't just want to dwell inside of you. He wants His power to be activated in your life as well. He wants you to be marked by power. He wants your life to be marked by supernatural events. And on this day, on Pentecost, two important signs happened. The first was a wind. We're not told that the, the room was filled with wind. We're told it's filled with the sound of wind. And that's so significant because in the Old Testament, The Holy Spirit was very, very often linked to wind. So we know this is a power arriving. The second sign is fire. We're told that there's one flame that comes into the room and then it separates and it settles on each person. Why fire? Well, what's interesting in Scripture, as you go through the Old Testament, you would see that any time there was a change in the tabernacle or the temple, God would confirm that He accepts the change by bringing fire down from heaven. We see first there's just a simple altar with Abraham. But then God updates that system and he commands him to build a tabernacle in the wilderness. And at the opening of the tabernacle, he confirms that he accepts a new tabernacle with fire. Then you go on and you see that he commands Solomon to build a temple. And, And this temple is again confirmed how? Well, at the opening of the temple, God confirms it with fire from heaven. Now at Pentecost, something changes. There is fire that comes from heaven, and now it doesn't settle on the building anymore. It settles on the people. Why? God was confirming that you and I have now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have become the temple of God. Look at someone and say, I am a temple. We are where God dwells in His power. We are where God dwells in His Spirit, in His presence. In 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19, it says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, by the way, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. The fire confirmed the change of the temple. And we see this very actively in the Holy Spirit in the disciples' lives as they, as they go and become the supernatural church. Signs and wonders follow them. Demons are cast out. People are healed. Lives are changed. Paul would say this in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and pervasive, persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but in God's power. And the good news again is the same experience that the disciples had with the Holy Spirit is the experience you and I have been invited to have with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't just want to fill you with His presence, He wants to empower you and give you supernatural giftings and abilities. He wants to baptize you in the Spirit. The New Testament uses many phrases. Sometimes it says baptized in the Spirit. Sometimes it says a filling of the Spirit. Sometimes they're pouring out of the Spirit or receiving of the Spirit or falling upon of the Spirit or the coming upon of the Spirit. But they all have the same idea in mind that the Holy Spirit wants to fill you with His power. And church, this isn't a spooky event where we have to do anything weird and dim the lights and get out the harps and be like, No, 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 that's not what the idea, it's just a, it's just a prayer. Just like your salvation is a declaration for Jesus to come into your life, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an invitation for the power of the Holy Spirit to come into your life. It's an invitation to be used by God, for His power to fill you. It's saying, Holy Spirit, will you come and use your giftings, your supernatural giftings, will you come and use them through me? In fact, anytime something supernatural happens through your life, we call that a gift. It's a gift of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to use His giftings through you. This should be kind of a common part of your life. Often this baptism of the Spirit can happen actually at your salvation. When you get saved, not only do you receive the presence of the Holy Spirit, but at your salvation, you can already ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you with His power. That baptism can happen at the same time. You don't have to wait till you mature enough or till you experience enough, till you know about God. No, no, no. This is a gift that's given to you. It's not a sign of your spiritual maturity. It's not because of you. It's given to you whenever you want it. So often it can happen at salvation. But we even see an example in Acts 19 where they bump into a guy who was saved, but he didn't yet know or understand the Holy Spirit. And so they pray for Him to be filled with the Holy Spirit and He receives the Holy Spirit. So if this didn't happen at your salvation, this is something that can happen after your salvation where we then pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you with His power so that your life can also be marked by supernatural activity. And when He fills you, suddenly, you can function in a way that God wants you to function. Your life cannot just be marked by a changing character but suddenly your life can become a powerful kind of life. These gifts are spoken about in many parts of Scripture. In fact, there are a few lists of gifts in Scripture. We see a list of gifts in Romans 12, in Ephesians 4, in 1 Corinthians 12. None of those lists are extensive lists. They're not all the gifts the Spirit can give. They're just examples of the different kinds of things a Spirit can give to you. And I want to look at one of those lists in 1 Corinthians 12. It shows us the different kinds of things the Spirit can do in our lives. It says to one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives a uh, a gift of great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and the other the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what's being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts, and He alone decides which gift each person should have. What I like about that list in 1 Corinthians 12 is we can start to see some categories coming out. We see that there's what we call the revelation gifts. These are gifts where God will expand your mind. Really, He will give you knowledge. He will give you revelation that you didn't have before. Things like words of wisdom or words of knowledge or a discernment of what spirits are at play. We also see not only are there revelation gifts, but there's some power gifts mentioned there. These are gifts that when God works these power gifts through you, it's like the laws of nature don't ever say. Like these are miracles and signs and wonders things like faith and gifts of healings and the working of supernatural miracles. We see that there's also some speaking gifts that the Holy Spirit can work through you, where He uses your mouth to be a mouthpiece for God through prophecy or tongues or even the interpretation of those tongues. And you might be asking, why would the Holy Spirit want to do this with your life? Why does He want to make you more supernatural? Why does He want to empower you? And I love that Scripture is very clear on the why. It tells us exactly what these gifts are given for. And when we look at the why, there's a few things we don't see. You're not given this so that you look really spiritual. You're not given this so that you can impress other people. In fact, the giftings of the Spirit are not linked to your maturity at all. Let me remind you that God even used a donkey to speak on His behalf, right? So at the most, if you want to see your spiritual maturity, like you're there in par with the donkeys. When you, This is not a sign of your spiritual maturity. And church, unfortunately, the church historically has elevated giftings above the fruit. And it's the exact opposite of what we see in Scripture. The sign, your sign of spiritual maturity is actually your fruit, right? As the Holy Spirit matures you, you become more loving and joyful and patient and kind and peaceful and... The the fruit of the Spirit is a sign of maturity, not the gifts anyone can use, be worked in the gifts. In fact, this is why sometimes you'll find someone who's active in the gifts, but they're terrible to people. And then it comes out later that that whole time they were like sleeping around or they were stealing church money or they were doing, and you're so shocked and you're like, how did God do that? But their prayers were answered and... Their prophecies were accurate and that person got healed. How? Well, the gifts are not a sign of your maturity or relationship with Jesus. They're a sign of the Holy Spirit's activity. They're not linked to your maturity at all. It is a fruit of the Spirit that's linked to your maturity. So don't elevate the power over the fruit. So why do you even get gifts? And by the way, Scripture says, God does not repent of these gifts. So when He gives them to you, it's in spite of you, right? Right? He doesn't repent. He doesn't take them away because now you're being a bad boy or a bad girl. So why are you being given these gifts? Well, Scripture tells us why. It says the gifts are given to help others. Look at someone and say, it's to make me helpful. And I love that this ties right back in with the heart of Jesus Christ. You are not given the gifts of the Spirit for yourself. You're giving them to become a servant. To make you helpful to the people around you, and this again makes us more and more like Jesus Christ. The more we become like Jesus, the less self-obsessed we become. These gifts are not about you and your walk and your revelation. No, no, no. They're just to make you helpful. How can I help you? How can I help you? That is the attitude of the Spirit to make your life helpful. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, from verse seven. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help. Each other, verse 31. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. The idea is this, church, that as you interact with people, the Holy Spirit knows every problem, every need, every situation of every person you'll ever interact with. In your office, in your schoolyard, at the doctor's clinic, in the traffic. Like He knows every need of every person. And so as you're interacting with them, He's going to give you the gift that will help that person the most in that moment. Sometimes the most helpful thing for that person will be a word of knowledge. Sometimes it might be the gift of healing or a word of prophecy or a prayer of incredible faith or or some kind of miracle. But the idea is that you become the helpful one in the world that as you interact with the people around you, you're becoming helpful and you become the conduit between the power of God and their need. You're the one who stands in that gap because you've made yourself open through the baptism of the Spirit. You've made yourself open for Him to use you. And so you become the conduit, the gap, the the gap closer. And you say, He has a need and the Holy Spirit knows that need and and, and I've been baptized in the Spirit. So now that gifting can flow through me. You're the one who receives the gifts. Uh, The gift flows through me, but you receive it. Right? When, When you need healing well, now the gift of healing can flow through me and you have access to healing. When you need a word of encouragement, when you need a prayer of faith, now the gift of the Holy Spirit can flow through me and you receive the gift. It's given to us so we can become helpful. It's given to us to, to strengthen the church. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities that the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen The whole church, this is God's motivation. It's not about you. It's about you being helpful. It's about you showing love in practical ways. That's the first truth about these gifts. They're given to make you helpful, to make you servants. Second truth about the gifts of the Spirit is this. It is the Holy Spirit alone who decides who gets which gift. He alone decides. You don't decide. He decides. Who decides? The Holy Spirit decides. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, It is a one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Who decides? It's really important we understand this, church. You don't own the gifts. He does. You're just a conduit. Just because you prayed for someone once, and they were now healed, doesn't make you a healer. The next time the Holy Spirit might use a different gift through you. In fact, there is no occupation of healer, for example, in scripture. There is an occupation of prophet and seems to be the and teacher and evangelist. And so there are some gifts that can be permanently yours. But most of the gifts they, they come and go as the Holy Spirit wills. Whatever need He has. In that moment, He can use you to fulfill that need. And so you have access and potentially can be used in all the gifts of the Spirit as the Holy Spirit wills in that moment. As you make yourself available, He can use a variety of gifts in and through your life, whatever is the most helpful in that moment. The Holy Spirit decides, He alone decides which gift each person should get. Third thing. There is one baptism, but there are many fillings. In fact, a good prayer in our life is to pray for the Holy Spirit to constantly fill us. Even like we sang this morning, Holy Spirit, would you just keep me filled? Keep me filled with the Spirit. This world has a, a way of draining us, right? And But the Holy Spirit can just constantly be the one filling us in our lives. After our baptism, we can be filled again and again and again. We see this everywhere in the New Testament. I want to pull out some examples. In Ephesians 5.18, it says, Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. For well, some of you, that's the only message you need to get today. <laughs> Instead, it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that be filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's a hard one to translate into English because in the Greek, that's a present passive imperative, which means it talks about an ongoing, probably the best way to translate it into English would be, be, being filled in the Holy Spirit. Be being filled. In other words, be continually filled. Be forever filled. Be ongoingly filled with the Spirit. You and I have this, our desire is to say, I want, I want, you, I want a fresh and filling. I want a new and filling. Keep me filled. Father God, like Holy Spirit, keep me filled with your power and Spirit. We even see this happening in the lives of the apostles. We know, for example, that Peter and John were filled on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. Scripture is very clear on telling us that. But then it tells us again when they're filled. Later on, again. Do you know Scripture tells us in Acts 4 that they were filled again? It says in Acts 4 from verse 31, After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were what? They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the Word of God with boldness there was another filling of the Holy Spirit with those same disciples in Acts 4. And then, why were they filled so they could go and do God's work again? It tells us in Acts chapter 13 from verse 52, and the disciples were continually filled with joy and what? And the Holy Spirit. And there's so many scriptural references to this, but the idea is that in our lives, there's one baptism. The baptism is where you give permission and say, Holy Spirit, I want to be used by you. Come and fill me with your power. Activate your gifts inside of me. But that's just not a one-time event. You're opening yourself up now to the activity of the Spirit. And I think the reason we ask for a fresh infilling is that we can forget that we are meant to be supernatural Christians. And asking God for a fresh infilling is us putting on that switch again to say, Holy Spirit, I'll I'll do it again. Make me aware in this meeting. Make me aware that you might want to do something through me. Make me aware right now in this classroom. Make me aware right now in this dining room. Make me aware right now as I interact with my wife or my kids. Make me aware in this moment that Holy Spirit, do you want to do anything? Fill me afresh with your power. Use your gifts through me. I give you permission. Church, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He is not going to force you to do anything. You have to be the one who responds to Him. Just because you baptize with the Spirit, it doesn't mean the next time you walk past a sick person, your hand uncontrollably. Whoa. And your mouth starts to go, and Jesus, name, be healed. I'm sorry, sir, I'm sorry. Uh-uh. So what happens? What, what it means is you have to be, you have to make yourself and your spirit available to the activity of the Holy Spirit in each moment. He's not going to force you, and that brings us to the third truth, that we receive the gifts of the Spirit through desire and faith. That's how you and I receive the initial baptism. That's how we receive the refillings. It's firstly through desire. Do all want this? I think there's many Christians who don't live supernatural lives because they don't really want it. They've seen something that was done in the name of the Spirit that just put them off. And they're like, whoa, if that is the Spirit, that is just weird. I want nothing to do with that. If <laughs> they were at that service and something was done or said and it just put them off, it rubbed them the wrong way, They walked away confused or hurt or offended. And they were like, "Uh, if that is the activity of the Spirit, no thank you. And so there is no desire. And so they never receive. But in 1 Corinthians 14, we're told to eagerly desire the gifts and the most helpful gifts. And James 4 tells us we have not because we haven't asked. And if you want to receive the gifts of the Spirit, that's what we have to do. We have to desire and we have to ask. We say, Holy Spirit, I want you And I don't want that power in my life. And so I'm asking, will you come and activate me? Will you come and use me? And it's a prayer, you can pray again and again. Fill me afresh, Holy Spirit. Use me again. Do something new in me. How can I be of use to you? How can I be helpful to you with the people around me? We receive this through desire and through faith. And it doesn't mean you're always going to receive the gift you desired. Because you don't get to decide which gift you receive. Maybe you're chatting with someone and they look a bit sick and you think, hey, the gift right now should be healing. The Holy Spirit might have another idea. Maybe they're in bondage through their sickness because of something in their life that they believe and the Holy Spirit wants to tell you to deal with that instead. You have to be open to what He wants to do in the moment, not what you want to do. And so today, what I'm really hoping is that you would be switched on to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life He doesn't just want to change your character and make you more holy and help you. He wants to empower you. And church, I believe the reason the world is so obsessed with this is because I think God has created within us a desire to be used like this. I think there's a desire within every human being to do something supernatural. You know, I remember as a kid watching Superman and watching all these movies. I remember watching Matilda. How many of you watch Matilda? Like the... And then what, you know what I did for like weeks? I'd sit in my room and I'd stare at that pencil. I'd be like, maybe, maybe it's going to be me. Like, did anyone else do that? Please tell me I'm not the, thank, thank the Lord. Why? Why? There's a desire in us to do something supernatural. And I believe that is a godly desire. I believe that's why the world is so obsessed with it. But church, we have the real thing. We have the real thing, and we cannot afford to be put off by the abuse of it we've seen or by the fake of it we've seen, because if you fear that counterfeit, you're going to miss out on the genuine, and there is a genuine expression of the power of the Holy Spirit that God wants active in your life. He wants to use you in situations, not, not just at church meetings. He wants to use you daily. In different situations, whatever the need is in the room, He wants to use you to fulfill that need so His gifts can move through you and suddenly your life is marked by power. In fact, Jesus said, All those who believe, their lives would be marked by power. There is a supernatural gifting available to all of us, to all who believe. Will you receive the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? The gifts. The gifts are available to us all and the Holy Spirit, He's going to decide who gets what and which moment. But what I know is there is an invitation for all of us who believe to be filled with the Spirit. In fact, I want to pray for two groups of people in this room today. Can I ask you to close your eyes for me? I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to make many of you today helpful. He wants your lives to help the lives of people around you. He wants to mark you with supernatural abilities. He wants your life to not just look like Jesus in character, but even look like it in power. And I believe there's some people listening today. You've been baptized in the Spirit. You've prayed that prayer and you've asked the Holy Spirit to fill you. And yet, if you're to be honest, you've kind of been ignoring him. You haven't even been aware of whether he wants to use you or not as you go through your daily life. You haven't been asking him to refill you and keep you filled with this power. And and perhaps today that's going to be your prayer. Maybe today that prayer is just, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. Fill me afresh with your power. I want to be used by you. I want my life to be marked by supernatural things. If that's your prayer, you can pray it right now, wherever you are, just Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. Holy Spirit, would you do that to your children in this room, to those listening and watching wherever they are? Would you come and fill us afresh? We want our lives to be marked by power. I want to thank you, God, that you've given us these gifts to help those in our lives. And as we look at those in our lives, God, we see the need. There's need for healing and prophecy, and faith, and miracles. There is need, Father God. There is need. I pray that you would use us, use our lives to fulfill those needs. May your gifts flow through us. Can fill us afresh. Fill us afresh. We, we ask for a fresh outpouring, a fresh anointing in our lives. If it's been a while since you prayed that, would you, would you pray that today? I believe there's another group of people as you look at your life, you've realized you, you, you've given your life to Christ and you know the Holy Spirit's with you, but you haven't yet invited His presence, His power, His power to fill you. You haven't been baptized in the Spirit. And maybe today you realize you want to do that and it's so good you want to do that. It's a, it's a godly, good desire. And I trust that God is a giver of good gifts. I don't want to reject any of His gifts because they're all good. And so today, perhaps you wanting to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray with you. And just so I know who I'm going to be praying with, can you just raise your hand and put it down? If you want to be baptized in the Spirit, thank you. Are hands all over this room. Beautiful. Beautiful what the Holy Spirit's doing. Well, we don't want to rush it with you. If that is your prayer and your desire, we don't want to rush it. We want to really spend time praying for the Holy Spirit to fill you with power. And so right after this experience... If you indicated you want to do that, or even if you didn't, but you still want to, I want to invite you to go to our minor hall. We have pastors and intercessors waiting to pray with you to be baptized in the Spirit. Please don't leave before you do that. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you for your prompting, for every single person you've prompted, for all those that today are going to be baptized in your power by your Spirit. God, I pray that their lives would be marked by supernatural things, that you would do something new in them and fresh in them, Father, I want to pray that your church would be known as a church, not just of talk, but of power. May our lives be marked with power. We want more of you, God. Would you increase your giftings in our life, I pray. Father, I pray that as those that go to the mighty hall just now, as they go and ask you to do that, may it be a special and deep and intimate work you do in their lives. May this be a Sunday of marked difference in their lives. May they experience your power in real ways. I want to say for those of you joining us online or in some other capacity, we want to pray with you as well. You can WhatsApp us on 013-656-6428 and uh, grab our WhatsApp line. We're going to stand and pray with you if that is you. But I want to thank I want to just thank you, God, for what you're doing in this room. I want to thank you, God, for the way you're changing us and challenging us. And I want to thank you, Holy Spirit, for your power. Can we thank God this morning together, church? Amen.